And welcome to Sunday Coffee. Mississippi State and Kent State have split the first two this weekend at Duty Noble Field, Polkdomid Stadium. I'm Bart Gregory, along with Charlie Winfield. Well, the sun did come up today, and you look back at how the first two games of the weekend have gone for State. The uh, Bulldogs won 8-3 to on Friday, dropped the 9-5 to decision yesterday. When you look around the SEC, the, a lot of teams have even series in the first two games. So now we set up a rubber match of this three-game series at noontime later today. Charlie and I are up and early this morning. We've got a long day at the ballpark today, and Charlie, today feels a little bit different than it did this time last week. Well, it's uh, a little cooler, and you're a little more frustrated, right? Because last week, we were coming off that home run from Luke Hancock to walk it off, and boy, on Saturday, yesterday, there was just not that big moment at the end. You started to feel like Bulldogs trying to put something together, but Boy, it was frustrating for a long time yesterday. You look at the starting pitcher, Luke Albright. We, we talked about him leading into this weekend. When we found out that we were playing Kent State, you knew they had a legitimate Friday guy. Well, he didn't see him on Friday. They sent him an extra day, kind of like in tennis where you kind of would stack the lineup a little bit. You know, they moved their Sunday guy to a Friday night start. They pushed Albright back to today. The they actually used their number two guy, Rummel, out of the bullpen. And so you, you kind of wondered – how this Kent State team would be where they play a little bit differently with their ace on the mound. And they play with a lot better swagger. They came out early. And that's one of the things that's kind of interesting, Charlie. When you look at over the first, you know, three weekends, we played eight games on the weekend now. It seems like, it just seems like every single game on the weekend, we're playing from behind. I don't really know what Chris Lamonis is going to do today. And I, I certainly don't want to say what I expect him to do because I don't know. All I can do is say what I would do. And if it were me making out the lineup card, I would do something different today, if for only the point of just doing it different. I don't even know what, but I would do something different. I'd probably give somebody else a start and left, and I might just move some people around just for the fun of it. Was that yesterday? You know, you started Pimentel out in left field yesterday. You kind of wondered if that was going to be the, the thing that kind of mixed everything up, and Brandon draws a start. He went one for two in the game, had a big pop-up single in the middle of the infield, grounded out to the first baseman, and then we went with McGowan late in the game for defensive purposes, of course. And so, yeah, you do have some kind of fruit basket turnover out in left field. You look at this team, and the you look back at last week too, Charlie, and, and, and this team. You know, we lost the first game last week. You win the second game. This week, we kind of flipped the script. You win on Friday night. You lose on Saturday. And it was one of those games where Kent State just jumped out early. They were able to expand the lead. It was 7-1. to one. It's in the fifth inning. And it just kind of felt like last Friday night against Tulane, even though the score was 4-1-5-1, it just kind of felt like it was kind of – unreachable well if i were going to be negative and of course i'm not okay we can be though (laughs) but if i were going to look for something that has me being negative it's this one was a saturday one was a, a friday but the bottom line is we have faced the number one pitcher for two middle tier league teams and we've gotten beat by both of them and for a majority of the game didn't look competitive in doing it Albright, I don't think Albright was as good as Braden Oltoff. Do you agree with me on that? I do, absolutely. They're different styles. And, you know, Oltoff was – he was just funky with his motion. Everything was different than you'll see. Albright was more traditional. I mean, his stuff was okay. I mean, I thought it was great. We hit a lot of balls in the ground, a lot of ground outs. He got some movement. 
got balls down. He wasn't as overpowering. I didn't think we didn't have any. We didn't have many really good at bats. And I think that's one of the things that kind of is frustrating just a tad is because you know people focus on pitching and you look at our weekend rotation pitching and of course everybody's going to talk about that and we're going to talk about that a little bit later but man you look over the first eight games of the weekend series when you start talking about playing teams you know that first week we faced good pitching last week Tulane was 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 okay after Oltoff Friday night was okay for Kent State yesterday it was good fairly decent with Albright and that's one of the things that kind of worries you is right now you're not getting anything out of your starting pitching past four innings. And the lineup is batting under 200 in the first you know, three or four innings. David Murray gave us that stat yesterday about how, you know, hitting under 200 in the first three innings. And so you're not coming out of the gate well against, quote-unquote, top-tier pitching. When we visited with Josh Lovelady a few Sundays ago, he talked about how games really turn on the final three innings. You know, how you start to get into a bullpen game. It's the seventh and eighth and ninth that decide things. You know, we're doing okay in the seventh, eighth, and ninth, but we're not doing our job in the first three at all. We're not getting on base. We're not scoring runs. And for the most part, we're not pitching it very well, save for the Southern game in the midweek. And so it's a little bit worrisome. And I think sometimes teams just get in their head. It's still early in the season. But I think it would be helpful just to do something different and I don't care what it is so let's think about Chris Lamonis for a minute what has he done different remember he dropped Westberg in the order a couple of years ago uh, out at Texas A&M I think it was he just wasn't hitting that well so he drops Westberg Foscue third to second we've talked about that he, he's seen some guys in the order so let me ask you this question I mean what would you do and one of the things people talk about and of course you, you look at stats and look at numbers and one of the things we talked about on the broadcast yesterday you know rowdy right now is on base percentages right at 200 that's your leadoff guy and he went one for five yesterday he had an rbi single in the third inning but you know you had three ground outs and fly out do you think at all about maybe swapping rowdy into brule at the top of the order yeah, I think you give some consideration to that it's interesting because we talked about rowdy a little bit on the broadcast yesterday. We didn't really have time to go into it, but I dug into his numbers yesterday morning and trying to make sense of why he is where he is. Now, Rowdy, of course, is known for having slow starts. He's not always having great at-bats, but he's also having some bad luck. If you go and you look, one of the Sabre metrics, you're familiar with batting average on balls in play? Yes. And what that basically stands for is what is your batting average when you throw out the home runs, you throw out the strikeouts? What is your average on balls that a defender has a chance to make a play on? And if you go back over the past several years, the average batting average on balls in play in the SEC is always around 325. Okay, so teams in the major leagues hit that average is about 300. But the gist of it is that if you have assumed that guys hit the ball with the same relative power, okay, like me going up there and putting a ball in play doesn't do any good, but you'd say that Rowdy Jordan hits at least with average exit velo, wouldn't you? Yeah, I would say exit velocity. A couple things to me that are going to factor in there. One is exit velocity, and two is a guy you know, skying out fly balls to left field. You have a small guy having you know lazy fly balls to the outfield. He had one of those yesterday, but for the most part this season – Rowdy hasn't had many of those. Well, he popped it up. But he's had a lot of ground balls. 
He's had some line outs. I mean, that's that's the thing when you look at everything. Yeah, and and so the idea is that basically what BABIP tries to come up with is this idea of who's unlucky, okay? Who's going up, having good at bats, and it just happens to be hit at somebody for an out. And you look right now, Rowdy's BABIP coming into the ballgame yesterday was like 170. And just by statistics, that's an anomaly particularly for a guy who's got seven line outs coming into the game, that's not normally what you would expect. And over the course of time, you expect that number to even out, to move towards the median. You expect the guys who are way above that to kind of move back down. And so right now, I think you could argue that Rowdy is a little bit lucky. Now, let me give you, excuse me, a little bit unlucky, but let me give you a play that highlights the importance of that statistic. Think back on the Friday game. Rowdy has that triple into left field that the left fielder Carew tries to make the diving catch on. He's a little bit lucky that he didn't make the catch, right? Yeah. And so what happens is we tend to look at results. I'll give you a comparison, too. Ron Polk, during the fall, used to evaluate his hitters on a one through six scale. And basically what they were doing is not keeping up with how many hits you had. But did you hit a six? You know, a hard hit ball, line drive, that's a six, and it doesn't matter if the shortstop catches it, the left fielder catches it, what have you. And so the idea is at the end of the year, we're going to go back and look at what your average is coming off because, and the reason you do that is to some degree, you're just unlucky once it leaves your bat, whether it finds grass or it doesn't. So I, all that is to say this, I think to some extent right now, when you look at Rowdy putting it in play and never finding grass with it, some of that's just kind of bad luck. But at the same time, Bad luck kind of becomes cumulative and adds up. And we saw with Westberg moving down in the order helped him. I don't know. Maybe drop him to five, drop him to six. And those aren't positions in the batting order that are blows to somebody's ego. But maybe just try something a little different. Only two walks on the season. You know, Rowdy and Cameron James both have two walks on the year. And so that's that's one of the things when you start talking about on-base percentage that hurts you a little bit when you're, when you're not finding, when you're hitting under 200 and you're only walking twice, you have not been hit by a pitch. Conversely, Hancock, you know, who's batting you know, down in your order at six right now, has walked ten times to go along with ten hits, which is second best on the ball club. Now, you know, the question is, is Luke hitting better because he's batting at six? Does he deserve that promotion to the two spot and to Brule move to the leadoff spot? Man, I think you got to think hard about hitting him second, third, fourth. I think he needs as many at-bats early in the ballgame as you can get him because of what you just said. He's a disciplined hitter. I mean, he's a guy that hits it hard, but he's not up there striking out a ton. He's willing to take walks. And another guy you start thinking about, too, who had a very tough day yesterday, and that's Josh Hatcher. You know, Hatcher went 0 for 4, struck out three times, was look frustrated. He looked frustrated at the plate yesterday. Do you do you start you know moving him down a little bit? And here's the thing: this is not punishment. Moving guys down in the order, it's like Westberg. This is not a situation where you bring a guy in and say, "Hey, let me tell you something. We're going to move you down in the order today." It's not a demotion. It's a situation. I'm trying to get you some confidence, and when you get it back, we're going to go back to where you were. And a lot of times, that kind of gets lost in the game of baseball. Is Sometimes it's good to sit a guy for a day. Sometimes it's good if you're having trouble making plays in the field. Sometimes it's one of those deals you just need a day to take a deep breath, especially when you get into playing a lot of games and a lot of different days. Sometimes it's good to just take a step away and and not have to worry 
about the pressures? Because there's pressures right now. Well, I think I would say a couple of things. Number one, what you don't want to do is crush somebody, but if you make them a little bit mad, that's okay. This is a team, candidly, that needs to be a little bit mad right now. They need to have a little more excitement. And look, for everybody you move down, there's somebody you're moving up, right? So it kind of evens out. I mean, because what do you say to a Luke Hancock, a guy who's hitting it? I think, man, go hit third. Go hit second. Let's see what happens. Why not? And I think a lot of that, too, is, Charlie, so much has been made about the depth of this team. Yes, there's a lot of pitching depth. We use 22 guys. But I also think there is a lack of depth at some positions as well. And I think you're still searching for some of those positions too. You know, that's that's the question you ask. I, I'm not picking on him at all, but right now Cameron James has six errors. Okay, so if, if you don't go Cameron James, what option do you have? Do you go with someone who's unproven? Is it a foresight? I mean, you start asking yourself so many questions, but where's the proven metric there as well? You look in left field. We've had some trouble at the plate out of that left field position. McGowan's not hitting the ball, you know, extremely well. He's batting around 250. You know, Cumbus has had a couple of good games here and there. We started Pimentel yesterday because, you know, McGowan and Cumbus combined for, you know, 0 for 4 on Friday night. And so, you know, you're trying to figure out something there. There's the question is, okay, if, if, if you want to move some guys around, move them out, who are you moving in? And it goes back to this point, too. Let me ask you this. And this is not to downplay this team at all. I think, do I think this is a good baseball team? Yeah, I think the pitching staff and the depth of the pitching staff, the depth of the bullpen really makes this team a separator compared to a lot of good teams. But what you're looking at right now, they're ranked as high as number two in the country. What's been talked about the, the offseason? Man, we, this is a really good team. We've got depth. We've never seen depth like this before. Are there some kind of overreaching expectations with every time this team hits the field? Yes. Yeah, and, and you look, you and I had talked about that. And and let me be clear, lest it seem like, you know, we're giving up on this team or going too far. No. No, no, no not no, at no, all. No, no. This is a good baseball team. It's not playing as good as it needs to. It's not playing as good as it will. And right now, I think what you're seeing, too, is exactly what we talked about. There's some growing pains, I think, in changing our mindset to what is going to be the reality of college baseball this year. Look at Auburn that gets beat yesterday. LSU gets drilled by Oral Roberts. I mean, twenty-two to seven a couple of nights ago. So, and both those teams came back and won yesterday. Yeah, and that's just how baseball is going to be this year. So, as we talk about these things, my issue is not that we lost to Kent State yesterday. That's a good baseball team. They're a good RPI baseball team. They've won their league or the tournament or both seventeen of the last twenty years. That is a very good, competent baseball team with veteran players. But there are some things that you can kind of see that Mississippi State's just going to have to improve upon. And so I'm not calling anybody out at all. I'm not complaining. I think it's just one of those times where, you know, there was the the basketball coach whose team had struggled, lost a few games, and they show up for practice, and they play dodgeball. You know, it's kind of like this team just needs something different. Throw somebody out there. Look, Kite McDonald. You yeah. Know, hey, we're looking for a left fielder, and in the conventional response would be, "Yeah, great, but he's a right-handed bat. We're going to see a right-handed pitcher tomorrow. I don't care." Yeah. How about that guy getting his collegiate debut? Doubles into the left field corner. You know, comes up pinch hitting in the ninth inning. That was good. You know, good for him. For for Kite McDonald, he's you know a sophomore, hadn't played at all, and so he gets that double. And how far are we away from seeing Braylon Skinner? 
You know, he's still not really able to swing a bat, apparently. But we've trusted him to have him in the field. And if if he's back, you know, where do you play him? No, there's, there's no negativity. And I, th- I think you, you drilled on the point. I'm, I'm, we're not sitting here saying, hey, you've got to make decisions and, and make changes and we got to blow everything up right now. This is the thing about the game of baseball. I remember, you know, 20 years ago walking in Jim Ellis's office and we started working with Jim. And he said, hey, the first thing is you've got to kind of remove yourself from being a fan. As much as you want to be a fan, you've got to remove yourself. Because the thing about baseball, if you live and die by wins and losses, there are so many games, it'll drive you crazy. And that's why, to be honest with you, the best baseball players, that's why the life lessons of baseball teach people to be on an even keel. Yeah, yesterday was not fun. You go out and you had had a guy that kind of shoved it at you in Albright. You know, you fall behind, you know, big. You fall behind nine to two. You come back. You score some runs in the ninth. You lose nine to five. Well, that's the great thing about the game of baseball. It's not like football where you play bad on a Saturday and you have to stew around and listen to you know the water cooler talk on Monday and play seven days later. It's not basketball where you wait three or four days. You get right back out there the next day, and that's the positive about this because you look at last weekend and you lose the way you lost to Oltoff and Tulane, did you think after last Friday night that that team, Mississippi State, was a team that was going to move up in the rankings? <laughs> and, of course, hey, that's another story for another day. I think we've got too many polls, and you've got a lot of guys that try to sell themselves as knowing baseball that really don't know a whole lot about baseball that's trying to do some rankings. But that's another story. Okay. Hey, i got to give you one because this is always my, my favorite go-to when we start talking about losing to teams and how we shouldn't have – you know, the 1985 team is the one that's just immortalized, celebrated. Uh, I heard somebody in the press box say it's clearly the best team we've ever had. In consecutive ball games, they got swept by Auburn and then got beat 7-5 to five by Mississippi College in the middle of the year. It happens. That's baseball. You get a guy – boy, I've used the Ron Polk line too many times this week. Well, we had him on the show last yeah, week. that's baseball. Hey, if you hadn't had a chance to listen to that interview – and since we're just off the cuff here on a Sunday, we talked to Coach Polk this past week. We asked him some questions I'd, I'd never had you know, had answers to, and he answered them. He was pretty candid. That was probably as good as interviews I've heard pat ourselves on the back a little bit. Coach Polk was pretty good the other day. Yeah, I enjoyed that a lot. It, and Well, he's a guy just has kind of taken to being back here. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, all right, so we've kind of talked about the hitters. i got to bring this up. We've only had one starter go five innings in a ball game this year. Trouble, yes or no? I think so, yeah. I think so, and because it, it's almost like the same problem. Is it a problem that can be fixed? Yes. To me, it's – I think you got some guys, and Chris Lamona's talked about it Friday night after the game. I think McLeod is trying to be too fine. I think Sarantola is as well. I think he's trying to overthrow a little bit too much. We talked about that early yesterday about he may be a guy that's better at 92, 93 than he is at 96, 97. He had some big misses yesterday. We're having some big misses this weekend. I think that's one of the things that's kind of kind of concerning. You know, Fristo's going to go today. You hope Jackson, the freshman, he's, you know, he's been okay the first two weeks. He was hit a little bit last week, gave up five hits against Tulane. And, yet we still have a lot of bullpen left. You know, the first thing people are going to say is, man, why ain't Landis Sims in your rotation? Do you want Landon Sims in your rotation? I like him right where he is. No, I don't. But I think for me it has to do with the style of pitcher that he is. Landon Sims is a guy who comes out and basically throws max effort. I mean, he throws as hard as he can. I think it was Ben McDonald that we talked to last year, and I know Eric DeBose talked about this too. 
as a starter who's trying to go six or seven innings, you've got to have the stamina. You've got to have the arm. You can't go max effort every pitch. You've got to learn where that spot is. Sims is not a guy who holds back at all, right? No. And so you just worry about him. That's not to say he's not valuable. Oh, he's incredibly valuable. Now, what you hope is that you can find a leverage situation for him to come into. You hope that you can bring him into a game where you need him. And if you go back to Friday night, Brandon Smith came in the game. You say, well, why don't you use Sims there? Well, you're losing. And not only are you losing, you got the bases loaded. And I think Sims is a guy that you, if it's 1-1, you know, if it's 2-1, to one, if it's right in there, I think you can go to him, know you're about to get four or five good innings and, and roll the page from there. I just don't know that he's been stretched out long enough. That's the other thing, right? Guys just don't wake up and go from throwing four innings to throwing seven. You know, you have to stretch them out and, and kind of work up to that. Successful starters are guys that can go through the order three times. You know, what, what, what do you do that third time through the order? You know, to me, Brandon Smith is a guy that's getting close to getting there. I mean, he's a guy that, that can really elevate himself to that point. I mean, you used him as a starter a couple of years ago. And what's the key to being able to go through the lineup three times? Multiple pitches. Yes, you got to have really more than two. In today's world, yes. And he has more than two. The, the change-up, he's got the breaking ball, he's got the fastball. He's got command. And the thing that Brandon was able to do the other night is he limited pitch counts when he was in a game. He threw to 13 batters. He's coming back. In the same way, we talked, you know, we saw Will Bednar a little bit on Friday night. He looked really good, looked very electric. And, and know, people say, well, why would you waste him in that ball game and not pitch him Sunday? Because it goes back to the same principle. If you're a runner, okay, and you're hurt and you're out three weeks, you don't get up the next day and go run a half marathon. No, you, you, you work the go. guy in inning, and next weekend you may see him two or three, and hopefully by the time you get to LSU or you know or Arkansas that you may have a chance of seeing him as a starting role. But the last thing you want to do is roll him out there for four or five innings. Yeah, it's just not time for that. So all told, I think we're in a spot right now where I think there is some value in shaking it up because this team just doesn't look like it's playing with a lot of energy early in games. It's still a talented team. Still has really good pitching, and you know it's kind of funny. I left the ball game yesterday feeling bad about how many runs we gave up. That's the most earned runs we've given up in a game by far this season. But I'm not to, about to beat up on our bullpen. No. They've been really good this year. They really have. And hey, Landon Jordan was good at third yesterday. When you start looking at bright spots, I thought Landon was good yesterday. You know, he started out in his career as a second baseman, moving him over to third this year. And that was going to be a question mark coming into the season was what you were going to do with that third base spot. And he's really kind of morphed into a guy that's been very dependable for you over at third base. So looking at today, we're kind of interested to see what Kent State wants to do. You think they're going to go with Ripple? He's the only other guy that's gotten a start so far this year. Started a game against Tennessee Tech last weekend. And so, you know, he's going to be a righty. Not sure exactly what you're going to get. And, of course, Jackson Fristo, I mean, he's he's a guy that has really good stuff. And so, and we've got plenty of guys in the bullpen. That's what kind of, you know, in any other year, you're kind of worried about going an inning and two-thirds with McLeod and then Sarantola not lasting very long about what you have left in Sunday. Well, 10 years ago, we were throwing, throwing Luke Alexander out there on a Sunday against Kentucky. There are plenty of guys left to pitch. Oh, yeah. Look, you you look ahead and you count on, what, three or four innings from Fristo, three, four, five innings out of uh, 
Landon Sims. You still got your closer back there. So pitching is going to be fine. I think the big thing for today is teams got to shake it up, loosen up, have a little fun. Yeah, they do. You look around the SEC, I mean, a lot of teams have split so far. You know, Ole Miss you know, won a one-run game yesterday against Belmont. They've taken the first two. You know, Arkansas had to score two runs in the bottom of the eighth to knock off Murray State on Friday. Arkansas wins you know, yesterday handily. Uh, College of Charleston has split with Alabama this weekend. Georgia and North Florida have split this weekend. And so, I mean, this it's hey, this is that time of year where, you know, Friday games are a little bit different. Yesterday we faced a Friday night guy. But, Charlie, going back to the point, I think right now the concern has to be kind of offensively about how you're doing against the top-end pitching of teams right now. Yeah, look, if you're struggling with Oltoff, if you're struggling with Albright, you're going to struggle on Fridays and Saturdays and Sundays in the SEC. So let's let me ask that: Where would you put those guys if if they were on Auburn's pitching staff, Alabama's pitching staff? Oltoff maybe a Saturday guy. Do you Olt- think he's a Saturday pitcher in the SEC? Yeah, probably so. I think I'd throw him out there on Saturday. Then the guy that you saw yesterday, he's probably a Sunday. The Sunday. guy yesterday? Yeah, midweek. He's mid-week. a Tuesday guy. Maybe a Wednesday. I'm not, I hate to be I hate to be rude and crude, but I think maybe Wednesday. The guy we saw, oh, no, not really. Tuesday guy. I'd say he's a Tuesday guy. Yeah, I, I would throw Old Hoff on a weekend, no question. Yeah. I haven't seen anything out of Kent State this weekend that makes me think that maybe a Sunday guy. Albright was okay. He didn't just strike fear into my heart. Now watch him go be a a major leaguer for 15 years. <laughs> maybe maybe the guy just knows how to pitch. Who who knows? Okay, so at the end of the day, we get ready for today. Noontime start. We're getting into that mode. We've got today, we've got two games in the midweek. You play Grambling on Tuesday, Louisiana Lafayette. Can you say Louisiana Lafayette or is it just Louisiana on Wednesday? I think the official school name is Louisiana Lafayette. The athletic department likes to refer to themselves as Louisiana. So what you're trying to say is when we broadcast that ball game Wednesday night and we start calling them Louisiana Lafayette, we're probably going to get some tweets. I may uh, let Matt sit in on that one if uh, if you're going there. So don't call them just Lafayette. I think we just call them the Raging Cajuns. Don't call them ooh-la-la. Hey, it's not long. you got Eastern Michigan next week. you got LSU coming in. You know, LSU. We assume. <laughs> oh, that's true. Then you've got LSU in two weeks, you assume. Anyway, hey, later today – Dogs in Kent State, noon start. Charlie and I will be on the telly for you. And uh, hopefully we'll have a little bit better day than we did yesterday. Friday night was okay. Yesterday, not so much. But, hey, we play the third game of this three-game set. Men's basketball yesterday going to Auburn, lost at Auburn. They're the number nine seed in the SEC tournament. They'll play Kentucky in the SEC men's tournament, of course, women's basketball losing in the uh, opening round the other day over in Greenville. We won't. Uh, we won't. Talk, we made a pact. We will not talk basketball. Well, I was just about to remind you. We are not going to talk basketball. So, baseball it is later today, noon time at Duty Noble Field, Polk Dement Stadium. Should be a nice afternoon at the ballpark. Yesterday was a nice day. Had clear skies. It was just kind of chilly. So. Appreciate you guys hanging out with us. If you have any questions, need us for anything, tweet us at Mark Gregory, at Charlie Winfield. We've had a lot of you guys tweeting us during games. We enjoy it for the most part. For the most part. Thank goodness the guy didn't show up yesterday whistling. 
He showed up on Friday night. You know what, by the way? I am convinced now that he wasn't actually whistling. I think he had recorded on his phone the whistler. I think he was playing that on his telephone. Do you think so? Yeah, because remember later in the ball game we were hearing music? Yeah. I think he was playing that on his telephone. I don't think he was actually whistling. I think he was playing it on the speakerphone. Oh, and it was just going into the microphone? Yeah. And that's why some people in the stadium were saying, I don't know what people are talking about. I was in Section 212. I didn't hear a thing. I think it was because he was sitting right under a poorly placed microphone. I will not say anything on that. I will not make a statement on poorly placed microphones. Unfortunately. Is that an unfortunate placement? That's unfortunate. Hey, here's the thing. If um, and, and we love your comments. We love you guys when you reach out to us, especially when you're, you're nice. Um, from a technical standpoint, hey, Charlie and I, we're just talking to the microphone. You tell us the game time. You put a microphone, put a headset on us. We just talk about the ball game. If, if there are, are any other issues, they, we have been told that Hale State family, at Hale State family, is where, because we are a family, sometimes a dysfunctional family, but we are a family. <laughs> We may not love each other at all times, but we still sit at no, the no, table. No, no, we it's the deal. We we always love each other. We don't always like each other. Isn't that how it goes? That's it. That's it. So if you have any problems, tweet Hill State family. Or um next time we'll give you the cell phone of a couple of folks that'll get it changed. <laughs> anyway, appreciate it. Appreciate you hanging out with us. We'll see you later today. Duty Noble Field, noontime start, the dogs and the golden flashes of Kent State.